Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're talking about how to keep calm with our kids in the middle of all the normal crazy of life with kids. Let's start with a general story about staying calm. So when I'm in the dentist chair, I play this game. So I go in to the dentist to get my teeth clean and I lay down and they kind of lay me back and the little chair moves up and I go, I'm gonna relax. And so I completely relax all of the muscles in my body. Within a couple of minutes, I notice that all of a sudden my shoulders are really tense or my toes are tense or or something that I'm tensing up. And so I notice it and I completely relax again. And a few minutes later, I'll notice that I'm tensed again. It's like this little cycle that happens as I'm in the dentist chair and I'll be like, wait, I thought I was relaxed. I'm just trying to get through this situation in a calm way but the tension just keeps building up and then I get a little bit stressed and my muscles get tense and then I relax them. So for me, the first principle in staying calm with our kids is noticing that tension and pressure and stress are gonna build up in small ways that a lot of times we don't notice. And if we noticed them earlier, then we wouldn't lose it with our kids and get upset because we notice, oh, this thing is happening, this tension is happening. Maybe you notice it in your muscles. Maybe you notice it in your stomach. Maybe you notice it in your racing thoughts. If we could learn to be aware and notice of when we're starting to get uncalm earlier, then we can actually do something about it and not lose it with our kids. This is related to another concept that I learned from Sandra Felton about how to change our tolerance for something to adjust how early we deal with it. So she wrote a book called Messy No More, and it's all of the underlying thoughts and attitudes about people who are messy. It's not like they're lazy. It's like they have thought processes that make them leave things out. They're a little bit too perfectionist, and so they don't know exactly how to organize the store, so it just stays messy or stays out on the counter while they keep thinking about it. So she teaches this concept about tolerating our thing that's frustrating us. In her case, it's tolerating the mess, but in our case, it's tolerating the emotions and the upset and the frustration and the anger that we get when we're with our kids. So her concept is, instead of tolerating more of our messes and raising our tolerance level, a lot of people who are messy actually have too high of a tolerance level for the mess. And so if we will lower our tolerance level, then as soon as things get a little bit messy, we'll notice it quicker and we're done. Like, no, we have no tolerance for this mess. We've lowered it and have stricter guidelines about what constitutes a mess. The same thing can happen with staying calm with our kids. If we lower our tolerance for all of the crazy that goes on, all of the motion, all of the talking, all of the activity, if we lower our tolerance level for that, And instead of letting things build up for hours and minutes and we can feel the tension building, if we lower the tension and lower our tolerance for it, then we can end it earlier. Instead of really tolerating a lot of stuff and then blowing up, we can tolerate very little and say, yeah, I just just can't do that. 
I need to end this earlier. I need to resolve this earlier. I think it's an interesting idea for how to stay calm. Another thing about how to stay calm with our kids is really noticing what our triggers are. Like, what is it that makes us not calm? So when I was a kid, somehow I got this idea that I was normal. And I know that a lot of people don't have this idea. They struggle with not fitting in and all of that. But I just realized that as I was going through puberty and body changes, or if I failed a test, that my first thought would go to, oh, this must be normal. I'm going through this, so this must be normal. Everyone must go through this. Whenever I would get to the idea that, oh, this is happening and this is not normal, that's when I would freak out. So I think knowing our triggers and what freaks us out is really helpful. And the first one for me is, if this is not normal, if something's gone wrong here, ah, I'm gonna freak out. So we can tell ourselves, nothing's gone wrong here. This is normal, it's okay, and it calms us down. Other triggers for me are feeling powerless. If I don't have any options and I don't have any ideas of how to act in this situation, I just feel powerless and it's super frustrating and triggering for me. Another one is really simply when I'm tired or when I'm hungry or when I just haven't been taking care of myself. If I get maxed out like that, a nap can do wonders for not getting triggered and not losing it with my kids. And I know that you can't take a nap a lot of times in the middle of it all with your kids. I understand that. But just knowing that that's what's happening helps you to change your expectations and stay calmer because you realize it's not about them. It's about you being tired at that moment. Another thing that helps me stay calm is to realize how staying calm actually affects everyone in the house. And that seems a little bit unfair that when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It seems unfair that I should be the barometer in the home, but really anybody can do it. We feed off of each other's emotions. We resonate with what else is going on in the home. There's some really cool research about kids and what happens when someone else around them is sitting with them and being calm. Kids' brains aren't as developed as adult brains, obviously. And so when a kid gets upset and their amygdala is lighting up, the connection between their amygdala and their prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of the brain that helps them to reason things out, isn't well developed. So for us, when we get upset, after a while, our thinking brain kicks in and we start figuring out what's going on and we go, yeah, he probably didn't mean that. Or this is not something that I choose to get upset about. And we reason through how we wanna feel about our emotions and we can calm ourselves down. Kids don't do that because their brain isn't as well developed or that's sometimes why they don't do that. So what they found is that when they did fMRI studies on the brain and they showed kids mildly upsetting things, I mean, it's not like they can freak them out and cause a tantrum or something in an experiment, but they showed them things that were like faces that were upsetting or angry, then the kids amygdala would light up and so that it would be upsetting. But if their mother was in the room with them, then it was less upsetting and the activity between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala would light up more. The, um, the connection became stronger. It was like they were looking at a more mature brain when their mom was in the room. I find that's fascinating. And to me, it's super motivating and empowering. So what it's saying is, if I can stay calm, it literally changes the way my kid's brain operates. 
I saw the coolest video the other day on social media with this dad who was sitting there and this toddler of his was having a tantrum and just flailing on the ground. And he was just sitting on the ground. And so the toddler would just flail over his legs and lap and, and just losing it. And the dad just sat there calmly. And every once in a while, he'd just say calming things like, it's okay, I'm right here. I can wait this out. Every once in a while, he'd reach out and touch him gently. And after it took two or three minutes, it was fascinating to watch. And this guy would just stay calm. And after two or three minutes, which feels like eternity when you're in the middle of it, but which is only two or three minutes, this kid slowly just started to melt into his dad and to just, okay, you're here for me. I can now resonate with this calmness that you're exuding. And he eventually just wrapped his arms around him and just laid on him and relaxed. That's just such a cool image for us to be able to stay calm. And after a while, our kids pick up on that and they begin to calm themselves and to relax. Another thing that really helps me be calm is when I have options in the relationship. When I have options for when my kids are doing crazy things, what do I move forward and do? How do I act? How do I respond? That's why I like taking lots of parenting courses. That's why I research stuff on the internet all the time. That's why I ask other moms how they do this. What do they, how do they handle it? What do they do? Having options helps me to be calm. I don't always use all the options. I don't always even remember the options in the middle of it, but having the options and knowing that there's a solution out there helps me to not feel powerless and to know that I can figure this out. Another thing that helps me to stay calm is to not take it personally. Your kid's behavior isn't about you, it's about them. And I know it's hard to not take it personally. I mean, there are kids, we're with them 24 seven, we're responsible for raising them, we're, we're their mother, we're their father. It's hard to not take it personally, but generally in the moment, it's not about us, it's about them. Another corollary principle that's hard to hold into our heads at the same time is that we are also part of the cycle. We are part of what's happening in this cycle of behavior. We're contributing to it. Without our part in the cycle, their behavior would change and be different. And so another way to stay calm is to know that even though it feels discouraging that we're part of the problem, we're part of the cycle, that's also encouraging because that means we can do something about it. We're not powerless here. We can change how we react. We can learn a new way of behaving and it's gonna influence how they react to us. Another thing that helps me to stay calm is to realize that kids are resilient and sometimes we're going to lose it. But if we lose it and then beat ourselves up over and get all frustrated about it, that's not gonna help. So sometimes we're gonna lose it. And if we do that on a regular basis, a lot, obviously that's not healthy. It's about the pattern more than it is about the single incident. If it's a pattern, you gotta get some help. You gotta go figure out what's going on so that you can remain calm more of the time. But if it's just an occasional thing that happens, it's okay, it happens. If it happens, we wanna do a reset. Maybe we need to go outside, change the scenery a little bit. Maybe we need to state our intentions out loud to say, here's what I'm really trying to do here. Can we work this out? And the best reset of all is to apologize. We're gonna mess up, that's okay. What's not okay is to pretend like nothing happened. 
Go apologize to your kid. Tell them, I'm really sorry that I yelled. I'm really sorry that I lost it. That must have been scary for you. That's not how I want to show up, and I'm working really hard to find new ways to work this out without losing it like that. It can be hard to stay calm with our kids when they're not calm, but it's also doable. If we can have a little bit of curiosity to look within ourselves and say, what's going on? Why am I getting upset here? Then we can unpack what's happening and figure out how to stay calm even when they're not. That unpacking and learning of some new skills and new ways to look at it might take a little bit of effort, but it's effort that's really worth it. I like the way Heidi Swap teaches it in her eight minute internet course. She talks about being a first responder. You can't imagine a fireman or a policeman or one of the first responders coming onto a scene and saying, oh my gosh, what happened here? What were you thinking? How could you possibly have done that? No, they come onto the scene and they're calm. Okay, you're gonna be all right. Is everything okay? How are you doing? They, they take charge in their voice, but they also stay calm. And then when everyone else is calm, then they can start asking some questions. What happened? Can you tell me about it? That's what we wanna be as parents. We wanna be the person our kids come to, and in order to be the person our kids come to, we have to not freak out. We have to be able to be calm even when they're not. And also we have to be able to be calm when they're bringing us stuff that's tough, stuff that they might worry about us freaking out about. Calm parenting is a part of engaged parenting and it's worth figuring out and learning how to do. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next